Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience. My name is Dr. Maurice Selby. My name is Reed. And you're listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York, the voice of Harlem and the Health in Harlem podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have an important update regarding monkeypox virus. I know people have probably seen the headlines out there. This stuff is spreading here in the United States, and we felt it was really important to get some information out there regarding this outbreak uh, so that we can protect ourselves protect our loved ones and also we have some important points to make i think uh, about the public health agencies here in the united states and really around the world and how vitally important they are especially considering the challenges that we've seen over the last couple of years in managing the covid19 pandemic and everything that's happened here in the United States, um, especially, just understand really how important these organizations are and what they are doing to deal with this crisis. And I'm just going to give them um, some props. So I know people out there have their own opinions about these agencies, but um, I think you will understand by the end of this program why they are so crucial, why they are so crucial, especially as we go forward in dealing with uh, future infectious illnesses um, spreading in the United States and around the world. But yeah, man, Reed, I got to give you props for jumping in. You want to break Thank the news? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm down with coronavirus right now. Um, mild case, mild symptoms, but I'll tell you what, I ain't happy about it. I was planning on going to South Carolina, visiting my parents for a little bit. I had to cancel that trip, unfortunately. Uh, so now I'm just home isolating, but you know, I ordered myself some food last night. I'm having myself a little staycation uh, and I'm getting some work done. So, Word. you know, we make the best out of these things. Yeah. You know what, man? It, it sucks. And and we just got over it ourselves, myself, um, my wife and my daughters just got through it. And fortunately, we, we too had pretty mild symptoms. You know, I would even say considering... Um, when I first had the illness, this was pre-vaccine and really at the, the very early points in the outbreak in uh, the spring of 2020 when I had my initial bout with COVID and that lasted longer. The symptoms, you know, I had like, you know, night sweats and stuff, was soaking the bed and uh, stuff. Um, and this was a lot milder. Just had some lightheadedness and just not feeling 100%, maybe some nasal congestion and stuff. But really, um, I felt like I got through it. You know, pretty well and feeling 
I would say 100%, you know. So I'm hoping, nice. Reed, that you will be feeling yeah, good in too. the next few days. One thing we do got to mention, ladies and gentlemen, is that Reed was vaccinated. You were boosted, too. Mm-hmm. Vaccinated, boosted. I was vaccinated, boosted. Um, I would argue that that had something to do with it being so mild, in addition to possibly the Omicron variant itself uh, being uh, milder than earlier variants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, protect yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. It's still going around, as we all know, right? And especially if you do have comorbid illnesses, so things like heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, kidney problems, um, maybe things like cancer, and you're on chemotherapy or anything that suppresses your immune system, you could have right more severe severe illness. And in that case, definitely recommended that you. Uh, consider being vaccinated in order to make sure that you don't have complications from the illness. But that's another point. Reed, we one wish you yeah. a speedy recovery, <laughs> but also Thank you me. are the man for just joining in this conversation. Well, I got a lot of free time on my hands right now. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing too that I took for but you know what was funny just real fast. The funny thing, man, I was like, oh man, we're all so we're just gonna be like sitting in bed eating soup, maybe watching some Disney movies. And nah, man. Imani was like, she and she tested positive and everything. We <laughs> tested it legit. She had it, like had it, had it. And I think she had more energy, <laughs> going like running around doing all types of stuff. And it was just like, oh gosh, I gotta like stay isolated with you, but now chase you all over the house. And because she was just getting you know stir crazy being in the house. Yeah, as we were. I get it. It's like yeah, it's crazy. You know, I have no problem spending a whole day like not leaving my apartment <laughs> usually, but when I'm told that I can't do that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's that much harder. And you're and, and and her being a six year old man, that didn't fly well at the beginning of summer. Yeah. You know. Anyway, yes, we hope you get better very soon, Reed. And uh, we're going to switch to another infectious illness in talking about. <laughs> Monkeypox. Now, the, the the key thing to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that this story, right, and and what we're currently dealing with, actually starts last year. Last year, July twenty twenty one, there was a case in Dallas. There was a traveler returning from Nigeria. Now, this this barely barely made a blip in the media, right? Because uh, this happened. <laughs> I think I remember hearing something about it vaguely. Um, about this, you know, emerging here in the continental United States. Um, but the first case, ladies and gentlemen, was diagnosed last year, July 2021, uh, here in the United States. Um, this was in the middle of the Delta wave. Everybody, right, was, um, you know, disappointed because that was supposed to be the summer of liberation or something like that, that yeah. they were calling it because of vaccines. One thing to note in, is that from September 2018 to July, June 2021, there were six cases of monkeypox diagnosed in patients traveling from Nigeria to non-African countries. All right. And two of those cases led to uh, secondary cases. All right. But essentially, um, humans sort of passed it on to another individual. Mm-hmm. But the the one in Dallas, what was so important about it, really, I just want to shout out um, emergency medicine folks all across the country. As you all know, I'm an emergency medicine physician. I'm just really proud of the work that we do. And this case in Dallas was picked up by an emergency physician and the staff um, in a hospital in Dallas. And the person came in, not feeling too well, 
had um, a probably interesting rash at that time. And the important thing is that they got the travel history from this individual. So you ask them probably, hey, have you been anywhere, right, outside of the country or continent of the United States? They obtained that, that vital history of this person having traveled from Nigeria, and that led them to then go on to the CDC's website, and they looked at the CDC's Traveler Health Destination webpage, which led them to suspect it was monkeypox. Right. And the doctor then immediately contacted the public health authorities and the rest is history. The first case of monkeypox was diagnosed here in the United States. Um, now, this was July 2021, July 2021. And I think we're, we're all probably tired right, with just hearing about what the CDC is doing, all the stuff that's happening. But the important thing from this was that the CDC, right, in their conclusions from this, um, essentially, they said, and I will quote, right, this was um, at the end of their report in the mortality and morbidity weekly reports, they put this verbatim, here we go, continued monkeypox virus transmission in Nigeria might lead to additional sporadic U.S. importations. Early clinical suspicion, prompt reporting to public health authorities, and awareness of the types of exposures that might be high risk are among the lessons learned, right? Essentially, they predicted this was going to happen. They predicted this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it, not just around the world, but they knew that, hey, this virus, right, we are going to see this um, come up again um, based on that, that investigation in July 2021. And that is the importance, ladies and gentlemen, I think of the, the CDC um, and, and really just understanding how vital it is in combating infectious diseases, especially things that are not here yet. Because we knew, um, and I think we could, you know, backtrack and go back in time. <laughs> there was a time where, yes, the CDC knew that COVID-19 or something like COVID was going to happen. It was only a matter of time. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, and that is a whole different conversation, I think, but unfortunately, um, we were not, I don't think we were, were not in the best position to ward off um, and contain something like a new coronavirus uh, mm -hmm. emerging or even a new flu virus, whatever it was going to be, right? But I think there are some lessons to be learned from what we've dealt with with COVID and what we see with now with this monkeypox outbreak. Definitely. And I think one of the best uh, lessons in preparedness from COVID was through vaccines. You know, this was this was research that was going on um, in terms of making mRNA vaccines for the previous, you know, years before COVID ever happened. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that research was done using other coronaviruses as well. Um, so they knew something was coming and they were they honestly even expected it to be a type of coronavirus as well. Again, the the procession of medical technology during the pandemic, almost unheard of in any other uh, epidemic or pandemic in the past. Facts. Facts. I mean, it's what the genome of, of uh, the novel coronavirus at <laughs> that mm -hmm. time, novel coronavirus yeah. 2019, right? Sequenced in uh, in less than a week. Um, mm -hmm. And all of this information being available, um, 
you know, to the rest of the world for research. And as you said, the development of testing, the development of um, therapies, vaccines, all of that stuff that we have available to us. So, you know, <laughs> just a quick summary of the program, right, to take away is that we our public health agencies vitally important. And especially as we go forward dealing with emerging infectious diseases, um, it's only going to become more important. And that's one thing, too, I think, as we take into the midterms, not to get all political in the program, but anybody, that's what I'm going to be listening for, I'll tell you, um, anybody that talks about the CDC and our public health agencies, both state and local, um, anybody that talks about big up in those organizations and increasing funding um, to give them what they need, not only just for infectious disease, but we talk about everything, heart disease, um, diabetes, all of these things, fighting, you know, cancer, um, mm -hmm. early diagnosis of cancer and screenings that can be um, helpful in preventing right, cancer, that stuff. That's what I'm going to be listening yeah. for, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what's crazy to me? Why isn't every politician talking about this? Because we know that investing in this and preventing these health outcomes saves absurd amounts of money. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Absurd Reed, amounts. But we're going to we're going to read at least with uh, the health in Harlem crowd. Right. We are going to raise that awareness. That's what we need to be um, on the lookout Definitely. for because um, it will benefit everybody. But uh, let's get into this monkey pox business, man. This is some interesting stuff. Um, I'll tell mm -hmm. you, when I first heard about the outbreak, I was like, monkey pox, that sounds somewhat familiar from medical school. That was like, <laughs> what, uh, eight years ago that I graduated? No. Oh, my God. Hold on. Yeah. Eight years. Starting to lose count, man. That's how long it's been um, since graduating medical school. But I was like, monkey pox. I was like, oh, man, I would have to go back and and review that. But now we have, ladies and gentlemen, in the continent through United States, uh, 84 diagnosed cases. The states with the most cases at this point, New York with 16, California with 16. Um, my state of Georgia, I don't, I'm not going to say my state. Well, it is my state. I reside in Georgia. I'm a New Yorker <laughs> at heart. What's your I, driver's <laughs> license? Say? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I got to admit it. I'm a Georgian for now. And yeah, we got two cases here in Georgia. This is as of yesterday, June 15th at 2 p.m., um, according to the CDC. So and and presumably uh, probably a bunch of other cases being investigated. Um, we also see the outbreak throughout the world, too. Um, number of cases globally um, increasing, ladies and gentlemen, and. Um, this is interesting. Total confirmed cases, United Kingdom, 524, Spain, the 313, Germany, 263, Portugal. So we're talking about thousands of cases, right? Over 2000 cases worldwide. Um, and that spans 36 countries throughout the world. So, yeah, we have this outbreak. And now the big question is, right, what is this? <laughs> Which I had to go back and and kind of review, right? That was that was my reaction in looking at this. Um, but it is a rare zoonotic infection caused by monkeypox virus, which is an orthopox virus that share, shares um, a lot of similarities with variola, which is the virus that causes smallpox, um, and also vaccinia, which is another virus that actually makes up um, a, a large amount of the live component or the live virus component of orthopox virus vaccines, um, which we will get into. 
Now, what's interesting about this is that it's usually seen in Central and West Africa. Um, and that's what yeah, really... Especially the, uh, mm-hmm. the Congo is where most of the cases have been seen in the past. Yes. Um, we're talking upwards of close to 40 years that went by without an outbreak in Nigeria. Um, and then wham, 118 cases that were identified between 2017 and 2018. Um, from that time to now, um, there have been cases cropping up here and there, you know, in Nigeria, but um, really not around the world. That's something that was just, it's just not typical um, of mm-hmm. this virus. Was discovered in 1958. Monkey pox um, is actually a misnomer because the virus really, right? It doesn't, it's not, monkeys are not the primary um, source of the virus. It's actually a misnomer um, in that the first cases, the first identified cases, um, followed two outbreaks of a pox like virus in laboratory monkeys. That's where they get the name from. Um, but there's no real consensus on the animal reservoir. Um, Mm -hmm. basically the virus, the animal that the virus lives, grows and multiplies in, right? There's no, um, there's no 100% (laughs) identified. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, uh, I was reading an article just a couple days ago that came out. Um, and it's, it was talking about how the WHO is petitioning to change the name of monkeypox one, because of the reasons that you just said, and two, also because, uh, you know, the potential racist associations with the name monkeypox, uh, and originating in Africa. Um, so yeah, we might be calling it something else, which I have not seen. I don't know if you've, if you've seen anything like that, um, read and crop, I'm pretty sure it's out there. If I were to look for it, I think I've been, um, willfully ignorant, um, but have you seen anything like that popping up as far as uh, like, racist like or um, oh, no, I haven't association? Really seen much. Surprising. No, um, to me, it's surprising. I mean, like I said, I haven't looked for the stuff, um, mm-hmm. but I, I felt that that would be something, a challenge in dealing with that, um, being that it's coming out of Central um, and West Africa with the name Monkeypox. Yeah. And um, like you said, but, you know, I have not been seeing that dominating social media. Fortunately, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, pretty sure if we looked hard enough, we would find it. But yes, that is one of the reasons exactly why they want to, why they're considering changing a name. Um, and really also just from the standpoint of science, right. To be accurate in what we're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Um, that would, that would really, um, help, but two clades, there's the West, West African clades. So clades are kind of like, um, families, if you will, or, uh, groupings, right. Mm-hmm. Um, of viral, uh, viral. I don't want to say organisms, but yeah, based on their genetic viruses. similarity. Exactly. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the West African clade, believed to be, which is typically believed to be less virulent, aka causing milder illness, less death, and often not as transmissible or cont- contagious as other clades. There's the Congo Basin clade, which is found predominantly in Central Africa. Um, now, the odd thing is that with this recent West African clade, there have been people that have had really bad outcomes, including death. Um, many of the patients, and especially this was the um, outbreak in 2017, 2018 in Nigeria, many of the patients that um, 
came down with the illness, got quite ill from monkeypox. Um, and a lot of those individuals had um, HIV at the same time. So there was this sort of association with individuals with HIV having worse outcomes. And there have been many documented human-to-human transmission events, um, including uh, between family members and households, prisoners, and in healthcare providers. And again, this is all going back right to this July 2021 um, outbreak. So this was this was being seen last year. The CDC kind of knew this was going to happen, raised the alarm, um, and then here we are today. Uh, four months after that initial case in July 2021, there was a second case after which the CDC enacted a level one travel travel health notice, um, really just raising that alarm, right, that this was something that was circulating um, in Central and, and West Africa, especially West Africa um, in Nigeria. And again, they, they sort of predicted that this was going to happen. And um, as far as why this is happening no one, I don't think anybody's really clear on. There are some proposed reasons for this quote unquote new spread of monkeypox virus, um, including increased population growth, um, especially right Nigeria being the most populous um, country mm-hmm. in Africa. Uh, also deforestation and climate change leading to increased contact with reservoirs. So the animals that might be right, the animal reservoirs, the, the, um, animals that might be carrying this virus and distributing it, right, with deforestation and climate change, um, individuals coming in contact with these uh, animals more, and that might lead to increased spread of the virus. Um, and then finally, larger numbers of unvaccinated people. And by unvaccinated, we are talking smallpox vac- vaccination, which was something that was um, definitely widespread, or at least more widespread. Um, in Central and West Africa in comparison here to the United States because right, we've had smallpox um, epidemics in those countries. But recently, those numbers of vaccinated individuals have fallen. Um, also, the number of individuals that had no previous exposure to things like smallpox or vaccinia, um, right? They are more susceptible to orthopox viruses, including monkeypox. And so that is one of the theories or reasonings as to why we're seeing this cropping up all of a sudden within the last few years. Um, so a lot of stuff going on, man. But um, again, just taking home that message, understand, right? This is something that we knew about. This is something that um, our public health professionals have been actively working on to prevent um, and now contain. And that is going to be something that is going to be critically important um, as we go forward in the future, especially as we said, with, with things like climate change and we see this happening, more emerging um, diseases cropping up uh, here and there. This is why all of this stuff is so vitally important. And just I give a shout out and credit to the CDC. I'm going to give that personally <laughs> um, with that said. I'm with you. I think it's crazy that we can sit here and talk about the very first case and the very first traveler who entered the United States in Texas and the ER doc that caught him and then the CDC's response to that. I think that's that's great that we have that ability to track almost every single case of monkeypox in the U.S. so far. Facts. Facts. Uh, but let's talk about the situation now. So how did you feel? I don't know, Reed, when, when you first heard about this stuff, what was your reaction? the whole thing well you know i learned a couple things in the COVID 19 pandemic 
Um, so when I first heard about this things, one of the first things I did was I looked up the symptomatology um, and saw, you know, how is this thing being transmitted? What kind of symptoms are, is everybody experiencing? And once I looked up that, I was like, woof, I'm okay. You know, I'm yeah. not that I'm not going to be that worried about it. Um, and we're going to talk about the symptoms a lot more, but really it spreads from individual to individual with prolonged contact. Um, so I was like, you know what? I think I'm good. You know, that, that eased a lot of stress because we learned with COVID-19, you know, uh, like for an example earlier, we were talking about how one of the travelers, uh, had, or there were a couple people who traveled and then there were two breakout infections, two secondary breakout infections, Mm -hmm. right? I remember when we were doing one of our first COVID-19 shows, we were talking about how infectious that disease is by saying, you know, if potentially 10 people are exposed to a single individual, maybe nine out of those 10 people are going to get it. Mm -hmm. We looked at that one study in that restaurant in China, how infectious the disease was, was its range was extended by the AC in that restaurant. Um, So once, once I saw how this disease spreads and uh, the prolonged contact necessary to get monkeypox. I was like, man, I can, I can breathe. Yes. I feel good. More comfortably. <laughs> I think when I look at it, I guess, um, well, one, I was annoyed and <laughs> seeing this coming up because I was like, damn, man, we got to do it. Now I need to know about this thing and look for this um, at work, which we're always surveilling for um, uh, entities or diseases like this um, popping yeah. up. But, you know the good news and bad news right and and for the benefit of our listening audience and not to be all negative i'm gonna start with the good news um and that part of it we talked about it um organizations agencies like the cdc the world health organization that track all this stuff all the time that's how they knew that this was going to happen um that's the good news is that we have um agencies like that working 24 7 i don't know i'm gonna say 25 7 (laughs) like they squeeze in that extra People working one like just all the time um, looking at this stuff. Um, But yes, that's part of the good news. And and one thing that, um, you know, I feel like when these things come up and maybe there was some exhaustion with it, because fortunately, I thought there would be a lot more anxiety and maybe even panic around this when um, Mm -hmm. it was first sort of, you know, cropping up in in headlines. Uh, But there really wasn't that. Now, on the other hand, and this is why I think it's, it's so important that we're talking about this is because I think people have become so kind of complacent, maybe even just tired of <laughs> infectious disease yeah, true. that they're just like, whatever, man, I'm just I'm just out there. If this thing comes, it comes, uh, whatever. Uh, but I think there are some things that we need to just be wary of. So the good news, right, as Reed said, often requires close contact, um, especially with the rash or the actual skin lesions. Um, typically for a prolonged period. So this is not like the one and done exposure. You know, you walk by and took a whiff of somebody's bad breath and got COVID, mm-hmm. especially with these newer yeah. variants. Like these things are super contagious, right? Um, especially these newer variants, Omicron, uh, that's out there, almost as infectious, if not as infectious, probably more so than things like measles, which was previously the most infectious um, or contagious disease known to man. Right. But then we look at um, the similarity of monkeypox to smallpox. Right. And the fact that there are already treatments on hand that can actually deal with this virus and vaccines that can prevent and um, prevent spread and or prevent 
serious illness from this illness. Um, and the fortunate thing too, right? A part of the good news is that most people will recover without complication. So even if you came down mm-hmm. with monkeypox, um, you know, the, the, the likelihood of you having a complication is low, it's lower, um, still could, right. There are still yeah. individuals that have complications, but it's still low. Well, like you said earlier, one of the reasons that the, the spread of this disease is suspected is because of low numbers of vaccinated people in Africa. Mm-hmm. So we already basically got that covered in the U S you know, almost everybody is vaccinated for smallpox. Uh, but not for small, but we just, it, it's pretty much eradicated um, mm-hmm. here in yeah. the United States. Yeah. Um, but when we look at, Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah. It's all good. Not for smallpox, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Now the fortunate thing is that we do have stockpiles of smallpox vaccine here right. in the continent to the United mm-hmm. States. Um, and so that if something, especially like smallpox were to reemerge, um, right, we would have access to mm-hmm. that, access to that vaccine to prevent. Yeah. And that's um, a whole nother show, but the government has spent absurd amounts of money absurd. on absurd contracts with ridiculously bad companies, uh, <laughs> in order to make these <laughs> stockpiles of smallpox vaccines. But we have them. We have them. <laughs> we do. Um, yeah. And that is that is courtesy of the work of, again, organizations like the CDC. And that's a whole other thing, right? As Reed said, contract negotiations and who they um, sort mm. of contract to make these things. Um, but the point is that that is something that has been planned for, um, right? Something like smallpox emerging or, in this case, monkeypox. Unfortunately, because of the... Um, lower level of circulation of monkeypox at this point. Um, and really just looking at its virulence um, and even the transmissibility, it's probably not something that won't be accessed at this time as far as the, the vaccines being rolled out. But they're, they're there, right? That's the good news is that mm-hmm. this virus, um, in its similarity to things like smallpox, um, there are already treatments available. Um, and a, a good amount of information that we already know, especially the sustained contact right? And how it's transmitted. Um, those are things that we can use to our advantage in dealing with this. Now, the bad news, right? After infection, there can be an incubation period of seven to 14 days. Um, so that's a pretty long incubation period, right? Meaning the person has the infection, but is really not displaying symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next step is a person can develop a viral prodrome. So that's the typical viremia symptoms or viral syndrome symptoms that we're, I think, very much familiar with. All of us read probably experiencing some of them right right now, unfortunately, man. Um, With the headache, the malaise, right? The fatigue, fever, chills. Um, Some individuals can even have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Patients can develop um, swollen lymph nodes. And actually, read. you had an update about um, some new findings of the CDC as far as the symptoms. Yeah, again, shout out to the CDC, because monkeypox is very well established. The symptomatology of it is pretty well established. Um, But they've noted they've been noticing in some of these new cases, there's been some difference in the symptoms. So just as of Tuesday, today's when we're recording is Thursday. So two days ago, the CDC released updated guidelines and updated symptomatology. So basically, they said traditionally people have developed a fever, swollen lymph nodes, headache, muscle aches, followed by a rash that starts on their face or in their mouth and then spreads to other parts of their body, particularly the hands or feet, just like you were saying. 
Uh, but in many cases in the U.S., patients first experienced a rash in the mouth or around the genitals or anus, uh, and it did not become widespread. They saw scattered or localized lesions uh, in areas other than the hands, face, or feet. In some cases, they developed flu-like symptoms, but in some cases, they didn't. Uh, on top of that, the rash also seemed to progress differently than in past cases. Um, so traditionally, monkeypox lesions start flat and then become raised, mm -hmm. after which they progress to fluid blisters, followed by pus-filled blisters that scab and then fall off. But the CDC said that among recent patients, lesions have appeared at different stages within the same area of the body. Fluid and pus-filled blisters, for instance, may exist side by side. On top of that, U.S. patients have reported pain in or around the anus or rectum, rectal bleeding, proctitis, which is inflammation of the rectum line of the rectal lining, or the feeling of needing a bowel movement even though the bowels are empty, uh, which are not commonly associated with monkeypox. Yeah, and, and that's about it. And so that you know, this is something that is evolving and really just being. Um, on top of what we're seeing, right? So if you have a, a weird rash, right? You've had this sort of mm -hmm. maybe viral prodrome um, or on the other hand, not. You start developing this weird rash. And especially if you've um, traveled recently, right? Those should be um, eyebrow raising things or or flag raising things. Say, hey, I need to mm -hmm. get checked out. Um, this could be uh, monkeypox. But considering the uh, recent pretty much community spread that we've seen um, here in the United States in a number of cases being diagnosed. Um, the CDC is also recommending, right, that not just individuals that have traveled um, be investigated for this, but really anybody that is showing, right, these weird or concerning rashes, especially yeah. if you've had any of the symptoms that we've talked about, the headaches, fevers, chills, nausea, vomiting, um, even if you've had the swollen lymph, lymph nodes, even though I know they've said that they have not seen that as um, they traditionally mm -hmm. do with monkeypox. But if you have these symptoms, um, I would say it is is probably worth getting uh, checked out. And especially if you've had um, that travel history, really, I would say not just to um, Central and West Africa, but really in many parts of the world. As you said, 36 countries around the world showing um, a, you know, significant spread of this illness. Um, that is something that I think you know, if you're coming back from somewhere or experiencing these symptoms, um, then it would be very reasonable to get checked out um, so that we can definitely get this diagnosis. And one thing we didn't lead with, because it's mm -hmm. really not as common as people are making it out to believe, but uh, a lot of these, not a lot, some of these cases are being seen in the gay community um, and are essentially being transmitted through anal sex, uh, potentially. So that's why a lot of those uh, symptoms around the anus were, were mentioned. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it could happen to anybody. It's not exclusively that. Again, that's just a different form of prolonged physical contact. So I would assume it would be spread through heterosexual sex as well. True story. True story. And that's the thing to, to really just um, also be on the lookout for, ladies and gentlemen. And the CDC does mention that um, gay, bisexual, or any other men that have um, sex with men, um, right? There has been seen this increased spread um, in those individuals. But again, right, heterosexual contact or really any prolonged mm -hmm. contact, if you're grappling on the floor doing jujitsu and somebody has a weird rash, yeah. that could be an exposure. So it really 
um, right? There are so many ways in which this can be, is being spread. And I think we don't know fully, right? As we said, there are some unknowns in why this is so different from the last 40 years almost where this was not seen out of Africa. So there could be other modes of transmission that we're not fully Mm -hmm. aware of yet, but we are learning. Um, So really just, yeah, especially with those, with that blister progression Mm -hmm. um, being screwed up, you know, with, with blisters, pus filled blisters showing up at the same time as Mm -hmm. flat, you know, not pus filled blisters, the, they're probably spreading those, those viruses, those blisters are popping and spreading viral uh, particles at, earlier stages than other pox viruses i would guess yeah and you know one thing aside from the negative outcomes with this illness um it can be life-threatening traditionally it is the groups right that we normally suspect to have um, increased chances of having bad outcomes so that is the super old right so the very old Mm -hmm. the very young so our elderly um, individuals um, in our population, also the very young, so younger children, especially infants, um, can have uh, worse outcomes or worse symptoms. Also, individuals with uh, immune dysfunction or immune compromise, so individuals with um, HIV, especially HIV that is uncontrolled, right? A person not taking their uh, medications to keep that under control, individuals with AIDS individuals on chemotherapy and other people with immune compromising conditions um, can have worse outcomes. So there are still, right, although the vast majority of people um, that come down with this illness will probably get through this without any real complications, um, we do have some individuals that are more susceptible to having um, bad outcomes from this illness. And then also, just to add to that, the rash can be quite disfiguring. So even if you come through, right, and you get this and go on with no problems, that rash can uh, hang around for weeks, right? We're talking um, two to three weeks in dealing with this rash. Uh, but then also it can leave um, lesions or scars on the body, right? And so it's something that we just, as much as we can, we want to try to minimize the transmission of and really try not to come in contact with this stuff. So as far as um, the the take homes, as far as good news with this thing, um, as we said, we know what's out there. We have a lot of information on it already from uh, prior outbreaks um, and the CDC and other public health agencies are they're on the money. I would give them credit with with um, <laughs> one identifying this right, yeah. a year before it's happened. And now doing and I think they will to continue to be as long as this virus does not get as politicized as COVID did. If, if everybody just steps back and lets them do their job, they'll be all right. Which is which is not going to happen, right? And there no. will be that contingent that <laughs> that for whatever reason um, <laughs> wants to put out bad information, um, you know, misinformation and disinformation. Um, but I think really just understanding what these public health agencies are doing. Um, that is that is one thing that I think we can all be proud of. And as we move forward, really, you know, putting some trust. And I, and I, I think this one thing that we've always advocated on this show, right, is that we're not going to take everything right at mm-hmm. 100 percent face value. 
um, we do want to sit back and we do want to be um, critical, right, of what we're seeing and what we're hearing. Um, but we do want to understand that at least with organizations like the CDC, one thing that you will always see um, at the bottom of any postings that they put up or any information that is out there, there's always references to <laughs> right where they're getting this yeah. information, why they're saying what they're saying. Um, that is all available to you on online, available to you anywhere in any um, communications, health communications coming from agencies like this. And when we contrast that with what we see on social media, um, what we see even t- sometimes on the news, right? And, and where is this stuff coming from? Or where is mm-hmm. this information coming from? Especially the politicized information, yeah. um, the information in which individuals have something to gain, whether it is your vote, whether it is your dollar, right? Um, those things are mm-hmm. not there, right? They don't put the sources necessarily yeah. um, where they're getting And sometimes they might be, they might not be, you know, lies, but they might be intentionally misleading too. Yes, exactly. Um, and so when we see, right, especially with the name monkeypox, right, where we see things emerging, um, where individuals have an agenda, maybe they um, you know, have something against uh, some of the groups that we, we've talked about on this program, right? Um, and at least what the guidance from the CDC or what they're seeing regarding transmission, you know, I would not be surprised if we see stuff coming out on social media um, talking about the the groups or populations in which we see um, this spreading, right, more so than others. Even though we don't have the full story yet, um, that, mm-hmm. that information can definitely be used in different ways um, that can be counterproductive in dealing with this, um, the spread of this illness and combating it. Uh, But that's something that we just really need to be on the lookout for. And what I would encourage out there too, is if, if we do see that, and this is the right to the, to our listening audience to really what we need to do um, on health in Harlem is call that stuff out, right. And point people toward more reliable sources of information not only regarding monkeypox, but when we talk about COVID-19 and we talk about HIV, which we're still dealing with, right? You talk about a pandemic um, mm-hmm. for the last 40 years. Um, we're still dealing with HIV and we're still dealing with mis- misinformation and disinformation regarding HIV, something that we know, right? Yeah. Quite a bit of, about um, the stigmas that come you know, with an HIV diagnosis and even just talking about the illness. All of that stuff is out there. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we have to sift through all of that bad information to find the stuff that is useful um, for us and that we can use to protect ourselves and our families. Um, That's going to be, I think, the challenge, you know, and not just with, as we said, not just with monkeypox, but with all of these um, current and emerging infectious diseases. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I want to... um, point out, I guess this is, we can say that this is like the infectious disease extravaganza. Um, (laughs) Maybe not, but (laughs) just uh, the Food and Drug Administration, ladies and gentlemen, just a bit of news before we wrap up. Food and Drug Administration um, said on Sunday that three doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine appeared to be effective in preventing COVID illness in children under five. And this was um, judged from the level of antibodies um, that seem to be effective in blocking the virus, right, after this series of shots in children. 
under five. And they actually um, had a meeting um, on Wednesday, so actually just yesterday, to really determine, right, what to do with this information going forward and whether the vaccine will be approved um, for the youngest children in our country. So it's just something to be on a lookout for. Um, You know, we do have some individuals, um, really experts that do foresee the FDA authorizing both Moderna and um, Pfizer's vaccines for children um, under five years of age. And I mean, that's that's it basically at this point. And also the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they also must weigh in with right their recommendation on these mm-hmm. recent updates. Um, and I'll tell you, the, right, my daughter, um, who is now 19 months, was not vaccinated. You know, we all had COVID. I'm pretty sure she had it too. She had a stuffy nose, was a little fussy and stuff at night. Um, and I'm not sure. I got to really look at this stuff close to understand, right, what the, the, the benefits to my daughter might be, what the risks are, um, especially when we talk about the benefits, right? She's already had it um, and probably has some um, a good de- degree of immunity or some protection uh, from this. So I, I got to see. Um, but I will be looking at this closely um, and we will be talking about this more on Health in Harlem as we go forward. But it is something that we just need to uh, be aware of as far as updates with COVID-19. And I know we're all tired of dealing with this illness, but as much as it seems, I'll tell you, it looks like you would think it's gone away, right? The amount of birthday parties and gatherings I've gone to, you know, doing my day-to-day affairs, um, especially here in Georgia, I mean, it's like, I don't know, it seems like very much like a post-COVID world, but one thing that we know- it is not right. And I can tell you from experience working in the ER, um, there are still individuals coming down with this illness. You know, the, the simple stuff, just mi- having to miss work. I know Reed right now, right, is isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks fine. He looks great. We're talking to him. He's putting good information out there. Oh, thank you. But still, you're, <laughs> you're ill. Like You had to go through this, which yeah. sucks. And there are other individuals that are still um, coming down with this, getting ill. And there are still people, there are still people having complications uh from this illness there's still people having complications from this illness so um it's just one of those things that we need to again right keep our antennas up regarding covid as well um and it's spread in our communities and also just take stock in what we have available to us today um as we mm-hmm. said and shouting out the cdc and other public public health agencies um regarding what they're doing for monkeypox what they're doing with COVID, I think, is also laudable, laudable as well um, in that the information that is out there to help us right, prevent spread and to protect ourselves, um, everything from the COVID-19 trackers to being able to put your zip code in on the CDC's website and just have a ton of information pop up, including the, the level of spread in your communities. Like That is something that we just did not have um, with prior outbreaks of infectious diseases, right? So we need to take that information mm-hmm. and use it um, as we go forward. Uh, so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to wrap up. Um, I thank you all for tuning in. I just want to give a shout out to the rest of the Health in Harlem team out there, Giorgio Malouf, Anastasia Data, 
Uh, also, Michael Holmes, we give you guys a shout out. We miss you all. And also, I want to shout out Tina Dixon and Angela Harden of WHCR. Um, Angela being the general manager of the station, nothing would happen without her leadership and direction um, on the station. So thank you, um, Professor Harden. Also, we want to shout out Tina Dixon, the production manager, um, who makes sure that all the shows are up and running and everything sounds great on the air. So shout out to them. And ladies and gentlemen, as we say each and every week on this program, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself.